Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving Iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Sean Hackett. This edition of Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. If you'd like a free digital tire pressure gauge and Firestone t-shirt, go to marketingaxontire.com and uh, give them all your details. Tell the Moving Iron Podcast sent you and you'll get one for free in the mail. So check that out at marketingaxontire.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, an auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. I have Sean Hackett with me here from Boca Raton, Florida at Hackett Financial, and he is nice enough to come on a couple times a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning, man? I'm good. I'm back from Ireland. I'm uh, recharged, and, um, and I'm flying out from a, from a long week of 40 degrees and, and uh, raw, blustery conditions. So I'm, uh, I'm fired up for some hot ag markets here this summer. Right on. I, brought, I wore my, my uh, Kelly Green ag direct t-shirt for you this morning in in commemory of your irish irish adventure so sean a couple things are going on right now that i think are worthy talking about and um, you've talked about it on here quite a bit that you you, you track a couple things so from a from a grain perspective there's two grains that really correlate with each other uh, when one starts to get really high the other one starts to come back in and, and you start to see this balancing out and that's white uh white and rice wheat and rice right think hoarding slip there um as you're looking at those things you know if you take a look at what's going on in india for example india is the southeast asian part of the world where they where rice is a big deal right wheat is also a big deal in that area too um india is exporting a lot of stuff right now so if you were to shut off what's going on in india and and really start to take a look at, at all the exports they have coming out of the country right now Rice has got to start making a run sometime pretty soon, don't you think? With where, with the way that uh, wheat is is running up the board right now. Well, wheat is the last bastion that is keeping the global food shortage from getting to what we would call a crisis stage. Um, and and because India, and you mentioned India, you know, has had some had a very large crop last year. Thus far, they've been willing sellers of rice, and they had a big wheat crop. 
So, so they've been willing sellers of both. But um, if it wasn't for India, if India wasn't able or willing to sell these large quantities of rice, you know, the current food scarcity shortage would be far more dire than it than it is. And I think that the the price differential right now between rice and wheat um, is so extreme historically that now the demand for rice is just going to go through the roof. Everyone's going to buy as much cheap rice as they get their hands on until the two prices kind of normalize and come together. Um, and once uh, that low-lying fruit of rice, that cheap rice, that available rice has been taken off the market, which we don't think is going to take very long, then things get particularly more interesting um, because then to make a, because then, so when you think about it, India says, has an idea of how much they want to sell. You know, they have an idea how much rice they want to give away or sell at a certain price. And once that's been reached, you know, then they're going to start putting the, pulling their horns in. They did this back in 2008 and 2011, 12, the last two times we had rice, you know, really run up to the all time highs. And so um, I would really, really be looking for when rice starts, rice prices are beginning to gain on wheat prices as the moment where cheap rice is no longer becoming avail is no longer available or is becoming less available. Uh, China buying all time record imports of rice in the last six months, like, you know, double what they've ever done before. I mean, the, the people that are out there that need rice are buying it like crazy. And so that's really a big relationship. I think once the rice market starts catching up and starts running higher and outperforming not only wheat, but also, uh, you know, corn and soybeans, you know, that's the point where the food crisis, uh, the, the global food crisis reaches its um, maximum collateral damage. Um, and obviously, Mother Nature in India and in Southeast Asia, this particular growing season is going to be incredibly important. If there are any issues at all that or not, you know, without not dealing with a good monsoon in India or Southeast Asia, you know, then 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 the plot thickens even more. So I really, really feel rice is is a really important market to watch for when we might escalate this food crisis to the next level. Okay. Now, one thing that you've talked about a lot on here is is switching from uh, La Nina to El Nino, and as we do that, when you go to El Nino, the Southeast Asia part of the world they get more dry right and that is that how that correlation works yeah the the general teleconnection is that asia southeast asia india uh dry out gotcha. when you move toward away from the la nina towards the la nino um there's a couple of things that that precede that uh, usually you see the pdo something we've talked about in your show before the pacific decadal oscillation mm -hmm. starts to warm, which it's doing now, meaning it's becoming less cold. Uh, you tend to see um, the uh, Indian Ocean Dipole also begin to uh, uh, warm up, which we're beginning to see. These tend to lead um, a move towards El Nino later this year into 23. And so, um, you know, the last couple of years, it's been La Nina years. We've had, it's great for rainfall in Asia, great for producing big crops, and they have produce the big crops. That's what's allowing rice to, to be that go-to market right now that can still fill the needs of the market when rice, uh, uh, when, when wheat's in short supply, 
but we feel we're going to move into a period where that's going to be uh, not the case, and uh, and rice is going to start to become more scarce, and uh, and and that's part of the whole cycle that we're following. That when you know as rice becomes more valuable relative to the grains and wheat, it's really going to escalate this situation. And if India or Southeast Asia were to restrict exports or uh, limit exports or do anything to hold exports back, which they've done in the past, you know, then all hell breaks loose. And, um, and, and you never, you know, always hard to exactly predict that, but a weather problem, Casey, would do it this summer. If you had a, if they got sufficiently concerned about the coming crop production being potentially impaired, they would quickly pull the horns in and say, stop the exports. Let's keep what we got. Let's see how this plays out. And, and then, then you, then you set off, you know, a, a much more sinister situation, especially out in, in Asia and Africa, where they really rely on rice for their daily, um, you know, their daily survival. So, right. Okay. So in your opinion, as you watch what's going on, because the reason I wanted to bring this up was I've read probably at least at least seven articles over the weekend and maybe you know five or six articles the previous week uh, talking about food shortages and what that might look like as you take a look at what's going on i mean what what likelihood do you see in, in the grand scheme here sean as as or do you think there's going to be a shorter than normal crop this year Well, I mean, the winter wheat crop in the U.S. is certainly going to be short. Right? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I mean we're, just, we're just trying to determine how short it's going to be. Right. I mean, I think, you know, uh, the latest rally we've had off of the blow-off top from the Russia situation has been all about the U.S. drought in Kansas and Texas and such forth. And so we, that's going to be a back crop. Now, 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 keeping a balanced approach, you know, the Russia wheat crop looks fantastic. It looks like it could be an all-time record setter of all time. So I would argue that you know there's an offset here um you know the russia crop being that much larger versus the u.s being smaller what's in the balance is ukraine and it still comes down to what is ukraine going to do what are they going to be able to do what are they going to be willing to do um can they harvest that crop and how big is that crop going to be very hard to determine what that looks like because um you know, they don't start harvesting really usually until late May, June, and still lots can happen between now and then in terms of the war either de-escalating or escalating further. Right. But I really believe that the Russia being good and U.S. being bad as an offset. So I still think it comes down to can Ukraine, what's going to happen in Ukraine? That's the balancing factor. If they're not able to harvest or they harvest half a crop or or they harvest it, but it's not able to be sold through the ports. Or you know, if there's a serious restriction of those exports, Casey, you know, then then the wheat scarcity trade is going to remain, and the need for uh, larger and larger quantities of rice are going to continue to escalate at a time that I believe that the low lying fruit of those supplies are going to start to wane, and someone's going to blink in Asia. Someone is going to blink. Someone's going to say, "Hey, wait a minute." we're just going to hold on to what we have. We need to worry about ourselves. You know, we, we love you guys over there, but you know, we got to take care of ourselves. And uh, it wouldn't take much of a weather problem this growing season in the monsoon flow of Southeast Asia or India to create that outcome, especially if Ukraine is, proves not to make those 
supplies available or is not able to get that crop. I really, really feel that's still the huge decision or the huge metric that has to be determined over the next 30 days. What are we going to get out of Ukraine, if anything? And that really will be the, the tipping point one way or the other to whether we can put this genie back in the bottle just a little bit or it's a full-blown food crisis here. Right. So, And I'm just reading an article right now about the uh, hard red winter wheat, um, the USDA's 500-point scale that they have, and the scale declined 6.3 points to, to 2271.5, which is uh, 59.4 points below the five-year average for this time of the year. So it's uh, – and Kansas, we're talking about how Kansas dropped dramatically too in that time frame. So it's going to be – a the uh, the wheat and rice market is going to be something to absolutely pay attention to as we move forward. It's really, if we think about the humanitarian side of the equation, I'm not trying to uh, diminish corn and soybeans. I'm not. But in reality, if you don't have enough corn feed, then the, the livestock producers just, just decide to reduce the animal feeding units until such time that you know, you, you solve the problem. Right. Um, pretty, you know, in terms of the wheat and rice situation, you know, slaughtering humans isn't something that's taken kindly. Right. Uh, um, and so, so, so that, that takes on a, a, a much higher order of importance to co- uh, governments, to countries, to geopolitics, uh, revolutions. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on when you, when you can't feed your population. You don't feed your population. I mean, People who are on the, on the edge in Africa and Southeast Asia aren't eating beef and pork. They're eating, you know, wheat and rice. That's how they get by. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's billions of people that rely on those two food sources. And right now, wheat is really becoming a problem. And um, so, yeah, I think that is the, that combination there and really the rice market uh, is really the key there as to whether this uh, situation escalates or not. Now, the good news, Casey, is that as we move towards an, an El Nino phase here over the next couple of years, it does mean better production or better weather in North America, and it tends to mean better weather in South America. So, so we should expect to see better crops coming, but it doesn't solve the problem today. It would, you know, we, we still have to get through this, this window here, but, but we should see some better production out ahead if we can get through this, um, this period of, uh, shortage um you know there, there's there is a uh, uh there, there is optimism on the other side of this it's just a question of how acute is this wet food shortage going to get and rice is really going to be the determiner of that um, and ukraine wheat supply right on okay um as you uh take a look at what's going on there and you see the speculative nature of what's going on in the cattle market when they're starting to look at, like you just talked about, the reduction of cattle across the, the western, especially the western part of the United States, where this drought seems to be lingering um, in pocketed areas. Um, and it's a big pocket, by the way. But um, I guess as you look at what's going on there, what are your thoughts on the on the protein marketplace? Well, cattle specifically, I mean, we're going through a final herd liquidation. Mm-hmm. You know the 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 the, the you know the, the drought in, in areas in the West persists. You know we have the high feed price, and we've had this terrible blizzard, feet of snow in the northern plains. Uh, you know that is, you know, uh, causing a lot of issues in the cattle market. So so we're we're dealing with this final herd liquidation phase, of thinning out the animals one more time. Uh, that leads to the wild um, 
spike trade that will t- that should occur later this year into 23. When the grains are going down is when the cattle typically goes parabolic up. If you think about 2013, mm-hmm. 2014, that that was the that was the offshoot of 11, 12 when we had the one in 50 year, one in 100 year drought in the U.S. We had eight dollar corn, similar to today. Um, you know, it, it's a very you know you look what happened in Australia. They had that historic uh, three year drought. Uh, you know, one in one year drought that forced massive herd liquidation. And then and of course then La Nina came. The rains started to fall. The pasture started to grow. And they said, oh my gosh, we can, we're, gonna, we're not, we're not going to herd liquidate. We're going to start to retain our animals and begin the herd rebuilding process. You know, cattle prices in Australia have gone up three to fourfold in the last uh, couple of years on the, uh, on, the, on the other side of the shortage of pasture land that had, you know, that had pasture for, available for, um, for feeding the cattle there. So, so, so it, it's a negative in the short run. You know, it, it puts pressure in the short, and we've seen some pressure in the cattle market, but it sets up a, a very, very wild uh, situation later on this year, and especially as we move into 2023. So for cattle producers, you know, the outlook short term is, you know, prices, you know, but demand's good, by the way. We have good demand. It's not like, you know, this is not, you know, crash and burn, you know, but it, it, it means the prices are going to stay on uh, stubbornly lower than you, they would like until we finish this final herd liquidation part of the process. But I think once we get through the next couple of months, Casey, I think this outlook for the rest of the year in Twaith will look really, really good. And so whoever is still out there in, in the uh, cattle business and producing cattle, and, and uh, you know, I think they're going to have a, a, an historic period to put equity back in their business if they can you know, get through this final difficult phase right now. So right on. Good. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual, man. If folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what's going on at Hackett Financial, what's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information, podcasts, sample reports, white papers for your listeners to get a better idea of what we do to see if we could add some value. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to LinkedIn. I have a LinkedIn page there with uh, stuff posted as well as a YouTube channel. Check that out. Moving Iron Podcast YouTube channel. Check that out. All the uh, video portions of the podcast here. If you want to see what Sean looks like, go check it out. It's up there on, on uh, on the YouTube channel. Also, if you're interested in seeing more about Moving Iron, go to uh, movingironllc.com. The entire library of the Moving Iron podcast is there. Uh, all the blogs I've written as well as um, information for the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee. That's September 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Hilton downtown. All the information for the for this summit is right there. Uh, all the information you need to get registered is there as well. So if you're interested in checking that out, Sean will be there. He, Gives a, he's going to give a good talk about what's going on uh, as a transition from La Nina to El Nino happens and what that looks like for the food um, production here coming in the coming years as well as uh, what's going on with some sunspots activity as well. So that'll be a good thing. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. Thanks, Casey. Uh, really, really uh, good to be on the show and uh, you know, looking forward to you know doing this all through the summer here. It's going to be a really interesting time to see how all these pieces fall into place and, and hopefully – you know, we have a little bit of a better outcome than than, mm-hmm. than not at this point. I'm hoping for that. Yeah. So, yeah, the last time we had something like this happen, which wasn't all that long ago, you know, they had the Arab Spring top, pop up and those kind of things. So, those direct yeah. correlators uh, with food price and and uh, things like that. So, people get hungry to get cranky. It looks like. So, we'll see. Uh, hopefully, keep this uh, 
keep this moving the way in, in a good positive fashion. But as things are shaping up right now, um, that does look like there's going to be some issues with production uh, in, in a lot of different places. And that's going to raise all the prices for everything across the board. So just pay attention to what's going on here with Sean Hackett. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll keep plugging along here. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour. Sean Hackett, let's move some iron, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Yeah.